Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. Uh, the Michigan football team is coming off an impressive victory in uh, the heavy rains at Michigan Stadium. And I will say, you know, it wasn't just the fans. We we're up there in the press box and, uh, you know, right before kick, seeing some moisture accumulate on my laptop screen. Look up. The window is open. I thought I thought it was like AC or something leaking down on me or, or something. And then, yeah, then I think it was Angelique who brought it up. Why is that window open right yeah. now? And sure enough, yes, there was one. I think the one window open in the whole press box was right above Andrew. I, yeah, I mean, to bring this up, it's almost I'm just bringing it upon myself because anyone who's listening who was at the game will have zero sympathy because <laughs> uh, I, I made the mistake of mentioning this, you know, among people who, who were in the stands. And I mean, the looks that I got were just really, you were, the window was open. And I, that was, I that did was feel, I you. did hear way too many complaints about people saying it was cold in the press box. So I'm like, oh my yeah, God, you guys are so soft. Like it is fine in here. You're not out there in the rain and the wind. Well, my, I don't mind being cold, but like if my hands get cold, it's tough to type. It's hard, tough, to, tough to work, you know? <laughs> oh, you're this you were a we're high school reporter before. Like, do, you don't remember typing in the stands <laughs> at a high school football nah, game there's always a press box, man. Nah. Now, there were now there were instances where, like, the press box wasn't heated and it was freezing. Right. Exactly. But, like, it's tough to, like, you didn't like, like move your hands. No. I can't work. Well, let me tell you, Michigan uh, went to work. They had no problem with it. <laughs> yeah. It did no, look like did two teams that, you know, one seemed to having be having trouble and uh, one did not. Uh, and Michigan, Ooh, did they look good? I mean, Notre Dame came in as a number eighteen in the country. Uh, I will give you props. You had a, you had the prediction. I did. Yeah, Aaron and I both took Notre Dame, and uh, then there was Andrew. Sometimes, despite being a, basically a pick 'em game, predicting uh, what seventeen point, eighteen point victory, yeah. and it was by even more than that. It, it was. Uh, and I guess you know we kind of look at both both sides of the ball. We can start with uh, the offense. You know what. What went right for Michigan to allow them to hang, you know, 45 points and just really have a nice, complete four-quarter effort? Well, I mean, I think the offensive line, I think, I don't say the first time all season, but the offensive line looked really good. They're moving guys. They're, you know, creating holes. Uh, and the running backs took advantage of it. You had, you know, two guys. I thought they ran really well. Hassan Hoskins, his second 100-yard rushing game of the season, uh, 20 carries, 149 yards. He had that ripped off that big 49-yard uh, led to, I think their second touchdown of the game. Uh, they Michigan was doing what they they wanted to do, and they were do it without issue. I mean, they started inside, then they kind of creeped the outside around the edge. Uh, Shea Patterson got out, got some big runs there. They get a twenty-two yard carry at one point. That, that was the fastest he's looked all season. I mean, he didn't do much mm-hmm. throwing the ball, but man, it, it was just like is he wearing like these super cleats where he mm-hmm. can dig into this turf in the in the rain? Because he was he beat beat some guys with, like linebackers that you thought. Oh, he might be able to track him down, and no, he—I mean—he picked up some good chunk plays with his feet, which is—I mean—got to be happy about that if you're a Michigan fan. He's—he's he's healthy, you know. I think after the, it was after the Penn State game where he said last week he told the reporters that he felt healthy. I think 100% healthy for the first time all season. Now he said he was healthy, you know, a month ago or whatever. You know, he was dealing with that oblique injury three the first three games of the season. He said he was healthy, but I think he generally is now. And I think you, you saw the difference on Saturday with his his speed and his blocking. I think he had the I don't know if he's, I think his speed really came out in that block when True Wilson uh, ran yeah, the touchdown right. there late. He, got out of he, he was ahead of yeah, ahead of True got the block. It was it was fun to watch. And, and it opens up a lot more for the Michigan's offense now. I mean, the running backs can find more holes. I mean, that's another element the defense has to defend against. And I mean, if Shea can show, continue to show that, I mean, it's only going to bode well for for the Wolverines moving forward. Yeah, I just thought it was a great combination 
of uh, creases and lanes being opened by the line. And then, you know, that running back, often your job as a running back, there is someone maybe that's going to be unblocked that you kind of have to make this. And they did. I mean, they broke some tackles uh, and then boom, it was up to the, to the next level. And uh, you know, they ripped off some big ones there. Uh, But yeah, talking to Jalen Mayfield, a line starting lineman uh, yesterday, um, you know, he said that that first touchdown drive they had, which was eight plays, all on the ground. Uh, the first six were Haskins, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know Patterson ran for one, and then uh, Charbonnet was the one who finally punched it in. Um, that really set the tone for what they wanted to do, uh, and you know that's what they did do for the rest of the game. Um, you know, when, in the conditions, you're not going to throw the ball that much. They had to do but, it. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, both teams it was clear. Uh, Notre Dame, I think, threw the ball a little bit more, mm-hmm. but uh, it was clear Michigan's game plan going in was to run the football and try to run the football and. And, and they did, and they were successful the first half. They opened, you know, the passing game up a little bit there in the second right. half. Uh, but they they came in with a clear game plan. They were able to execute it. I want to say almost perfectly. I mean, you didn't really have any turnovers. Uh, you know, they 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 no, they, they got not. two guys going early. They were able to you know get True Wilson there in late. It was a well rounded, I think, uh, performance for the offense. Yeah, and perhaps right. maybe the first time all season. Yep. If, when if you would have told me that Michigan would have won the turnover battle in the rain against a Notre mm-hmm. Dame team that was top five in the nation in, in turnover margin, I would have said you're crazy. But now they fumbled uh, three times. Right. I think all three were shays, but they were able to recover. None of them turnovers. So mm-hmm. it's you know, I, I think at some point in the game you're gonna fumble football or whatever. It's just a matter of, you know, not giving it up. And they weren't, you know, they were right. pretty pretty good in that regard. And when they threw, it was effective. I mean, they only it threw was. 14 times, uh, but they completed eight of those, you know, three of the touchdowns, I think is telling. Um, and, you know, those stats don't take into effect, effect uh, into account the pass interference calls down the mm-hmm. field because they, you know, they did push the ball down the field at times. They got a bullish, and, and drew yeah. And drew flags. Um, and, and, I mean, that counts. It's yardage that's moving you down the field. It's just not showing up in the, in the passing stats. But, um, yeah, a really, a really nice offensive performance. I mean, is it is it fair to say this team is you know they have a new offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis as we've we've talked about at length um, that he and you know this team is kind of figuring out uh, what it's good at and doing more of that. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think they've they've tinkered with some stuff obviously the last few weeks and you know, Ed Warner and Jim Harbaugh have kind of brought it up. You know, at, at times uh, you know they're. They were good last year at running the football. They were a physical team. You saw that in their wins last year against Penn State and, and Wisconsin. Uh, you know, they've kind of almost, in a way, brought some of that back. And here in the last few weeks, uh, you know, with a win over Iowa, uh, they, they were able to run the football pretty effectively against Penn State for considering the, the conditions. Uh, and you saw it again on Saturday. Now, uh, the passing game, I think, is still a work in progress. I think they've done a better job. You saw that. I think I, you saw them take a step forward against Penn State two weeks ago. Uh, now, uh, we'll see if they can, you know, incorporate more of that in the speed and space game that you know we we heard about so much at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think it all it all starts with with the offensive line, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a lot of people, uh, I did, thought that given the progress it made over the course of last season, mm-hmm. we kind of pick up where it left off and you know be one of the top units in the country. Um, but for whatever reason, once again, it it did seem it, it has taken some time again this year because they're playing much better now than they were early in the season and. That that sets everything else up. You protect your quarterback. You, you're going to have more uh, opportunities to throw the ball down the field, and obviously, you know, it opens up things for your run game too. So, yeah, and uh, I think they Michigan may not want to admit this, but you know, they were missing John running the first three weeks. Mm-hmm. I want to say, you know, that perhaps played a factor in that, just in cohesiveness and timing and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's back. I thought he's played well the last, the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, they're they're looking more like the offensive line of what we saw last season. The problem is, and I wrote this earlier this week. 
you're now eight games into the, into the season. You know, it, it was almost too late. Uh, obviously, nothing's been decided just yet. Michigan's got a long hill to climb if they want to get back in the Big Ten title race. Yeah, we can we can return to that comment for sure. Uh, but I, I want to give the defense its due mm-hmm. as well, sure, because uh, this was a very uh, a very strong performance. Um, you know, start to finish as well. Um, I don't know what what kind of stood out for you guys as far as uh, you know that side of the ball because Notre Dame really wasn't able to do. Uh, much of anything. And there were, there were the two turnovers. Um, but I didn't feel like in any way, this was some sort of fluky performance. It was, uh, they shut them down again, the speed they, they were getting, they were getting to, you know, the edges and, and just before Notre Dame could really do anything. Ian book looked frustrated the mm-hmm. entire time he was in there. Like you could tell he was frustrated that Notre Dame wasn't able to get anything going. I mean, if he had time in the pocket, no one was open. If, uh, if someone was open, he was getting hit before he could throw. I mean, it was just uh, nothing. They couldn't find any sort of rhythm at all. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, Don Brown drew up a great, great game plan and uh, kind of per- a perfectly executed game on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah. And I think they got to him. Was it, uh, was it Josh Metellus who used the phrase happy feet or something? Someone, I think, uh, said something about him being, uh, you know, bailing the pocket a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, prematurely. And I think you saw that. I mean, there were times where the blocking actually sort of held up and there would have been lanes for him to step up and, and throw the ball. Um, but he kind of, he, he got out of there and, and he wasn't going very far. I mean, before he was tracked down, um, for a short game. Um, yeah, Michigan, there was the, uh, uh, the two pretty long completion, you know, twenty mm-hmm. yard plus completions to Chase Claypool, yeah. you know, six foot five receiver who made. I mean, it was good, good defense on those plays. They yeah. they had the sideline as the extra defender. He's twisting, turning back shoulder. He made those two catches. Sometimes you tip your cap. He's uh, a good receiver. Yeah, I, I think so too. Other than those two, okay. Notre Dame did not have a a play of more than nine yards running Mm -hmm. or passing until that final drive where, you know, they had a Mm -hmm. three play drive aided by penalties um, with some backups in where they scored their second touchdown. Um, But that was it. Um, So, you know, Michigan really, they always talk, we always talk about their offensive explosive plays. Um, Like, yeah, obviously the other team's trying to do the same and, um, you know, Michigan, Michigan shut that down. Um, Yeah. I was looking at the numbers after the game and Michigan was credited obviously with two sacks and and five hurries, but it just seemed like there was so many more, you know, they were getting pressure all game. You know, I don't know what they they consider, I guess, typically, you know, technically a hurry, but there were guys in the backfield. It seemed like all game. You said, you mentioned book scrambling. Uh, Notre Dame was never really getting its run game going, and, and given the weather and the, and the rain and everything else in the first half, they needed to, you needed to do that. They just didn't. Uh, Notre Dame at 31 carries, 47 yards, uh, 1.5 yards a rush. That's not going to get it done on the road against Michigan. So no. Michigan was able to, you know, um, you know, prevent them from doing that, and they, Notre Dame just never got any momentum going. Yeah, that's a great point about the stats. I mean, I imagine if the quarterback doesn't attempt to pass, you can't have a hurry necessarily. Yeah. But there were times where Book was, was hurried, and instead of throwing it, he just took off and, mm-hmm. and didn't get many yards. So, um, yeah, I think the stats don't even necessarily tell tell the full story there. Um, you know, you talked about is it, you know, too late, or almost like bittersweet that this Michigan team is mm-hmm. doing what it's doing now. Um yeah, it's an interesting topic. I think, you know, the, the, the players were saying, yes, they still had something to play for after losing to Penn State and kind of falling out of the Big Ten title race. And at least on Saturday night, I mean, they proved that because this, this was a non-conference game um, and they went out and, and, and dominated. Uh, so I still think with those two rivalry games coming up, Michigan State and Ohio State, there's still stuff to play for in this season, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't really affect your um, 
yeah, whether you know you, you get a you get a banner or a trophy or whatever. Uh, You're absolutely right. Season. I, I think it's almost a, a good thing that the schedule is backloaded with the, yeah. the, with the rivals and the big game of Ohio State at the end of the year, obviously, like it usually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're right, there is there is stuff to play for. Um, they could still, you know, in theory, win out. Uh, you know, it, it, it's difficult at this point, but you know, there's there's stuff to play for, and I think that's what's keeping this team going. Knowing you have Notre Dame, knowing you have Michigan State at home, uh, you still have Ohio State at the end of the, the schedule. It's there's plenty to play for, um, and they're going to need some chips to fall in their in their direction right. for them to get back in the Big Ten race. Right. I mean, the Big Ten race is definitely looking like it's out of reach at this point. But like, I mean, if you can beat Michigan State and and Ohio State and only lose two games during the regular season, I mean, how many programs in the country would love to be able to to beat both their top two rivals and, and still finish top two? three in their in their conference and go to a, a new year's Eve bowl or that's new- that's an interesting topic nowadays because the, the playoff has created this win or win or, or enough like right all or nothing yeah, yeah all or nothing game you know where if you're not the top four is your season deemed a failure at least right. from michigan's perspective now if you're a small school it's a, it's a totally different game right, right. but you know i i was i was in atlanta last year for the peach bowl in michigan you know they had a 10-win season and they by all accounts it was a success but it, it just seemed like something was missing last year in the preparation leading up to that game. It, you didn't have the big game feel to it that it maybe normally does. Uh, and, and you wonder if, if players pay attention to that, how much they pay attention to that. I think a lot of the terms are dependent on like what your status is going into the bowl game. I mean, if they beat Ohio State, it would be much different because they would be on this long winning streak heading into their bowl mm-hmm. game. I mean, that loss last year to Ohio State was such a deflating loss. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that played a, a big I mean, it's like, all right, well, we didn't beat our rivals. Like the one thing we really wanted to do this year, we didn't, which would have put them in the Big Ten title championship game. Like, I right. think with they know if they go into that Ohio State game, a Big Ten title will not be on the line. It would, so, like, so if they win that, they'll, I don't know, maybe more momentum, a little bit more uh, incentive to win the bowl game as well to, to prove that hey, we did accomplish something this year, even without a Big Ten title. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. But what do you think would be if you're a Michigan football player or coach? What would you deem a successful season from from here on out? I mean, number of wins, uh, beating someone. What would you What would you say is a successful year for Michigan? This yeah. I can go first if you want. I, I, you I, I'll want. say like I, yeah, it's, they, they would have to win out in the regular season, and I mean the bowl game. Yeah, like if they win, lose that. I mean that's if, if they beat Ohio State and Michigan State in the same year. I mean that's they haven't done that in quite some time. So I I think. If you're still complaining, if you're a Michigan fan, if they do that, uh, I mean, your expectations are probably a little bit too high. I agree with you. And I, I was having this discussion with, I think, some friends the other day about it. You know, I think if, if Michigan can run this, run the table at the, these final these final four games or win three of the four but beat Ohio State, I think, in a way, I think some of the early season frustrations or struggles are maybe forgiven. You know, they, a new coordinator, new offense, are getting things together uh, – and it would probably ruin Ohio State's title Correct. chances as well. Correct. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Run the table. Um, now, right, you could you could suffer a loss in there and then still be have a success in some way. But mm-hmm. I think that should be what you're you're shooting for. Um, with yeah, that last one being being so much more important than than all the others. And, and it's looking like their other three games right now are very, very, very winnable Beautiful. games. Yeah, <laughs> I have to think though. I mean, Michigan State's going to come in here. Obviously, they're struggling. 
And I have to think they're going to be they're going to be amped for the game. And right. it's right yeah, I, I figured they would be against Penn State last week too. And yeah, uh, yeah, I never you can never mark that as a win. And even the one at Indiana, despite Michigan's right. you know record right. win streak against them, many of those games have been close. Indiana, Indiana is a pushover this and, year, and they're they're, they're looking yeah. good. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't any any concern uh, with a letdown uh, this Saturday um, at Maryland. This is a team that is struggling offensively as they try to figure out their quarterback situation among injuries. Uh, And uh, yeah, they've lost three straight. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see one thing about, you know, Jim Harbaugh's teams at Michigan. They really haven't had that letdown. There've been games that have been maybe a little closer than the point spread was, um, you know, would have suggested, um, you know, on the road or whatever, you know, a game at Minnesota comes to mind, Indiana uh, in the past, but um, you know, generally they've, They've beaten, you know, who they should beat. I guess there's that there's right. that Iowa game in 2016 on the road, but geez, I, the point spread for that was pretty small. I think when all of a sudden done a night game against a, you know, still a good Iowa team. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, don't, I, looking I think, at their set, I, I mean, they've just been blown out in a lot of games yeah. recently, and I just including Saturday yeah, at Minnesota. At Minnesota, I mean, lost, shut up to Penn State, 59 nothing. Lost yep. to Purdue, 40 to 14, and Purdue is having a really a big down year as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just – I think it's going to be a blowout. I really do. If Michigan was coming off a loss to Notre Dame, I'd say maybe, you know, maybe there'd be a chance for that. But Michigan's – I mean, they, I have to think they're feeling good about themselves right now yep. after Saturday. Uh, and, and the way that Jim Harbaugh and that coaching staff prepares this team, I, I, I find it hard to believe this game ends up being close on Saturday. Right. Not only that, but you got the, the, the storyline too. Josh Gaddis is going up against his, <laughs> his former uh, co-worker, Mike Loxley, the head coach at Maryland at Alabama. I mean, I have to think from, from, from Gaddis' standpoint. A few things yeah, I'm sure he's, yeah. he's going to be, from an offensive game plan standpoint, uh, I have to think Michigan's going to be kind of click, or at least attempting to, uh, to click on all cylinders on Saturday. All right. Well, that uh, by the time that game comes, Michigan will have played a, a basketball game. Uh, there is one. Oh, there is one on uh, Friday night. It's an exhibition. Um, it you know won't be the first time that the public has gotten a glimpse uh, of these Wolverines because we've had. Uh, Were you at somewhere last night? I was. I was at. I was at Chrysler <laughs> Center event, and uh, yes, it was open open to fans. Did and- this replace selfie <laughs> night? Correct. Okay. Oh, and they still man. did that. They still oh, did the yeah. selfie. They okay. still, you know, the players and, and Juwan were still in the uh, concourse for, for photos afterwards, uh, 45 minutes of it. You know, I looked at those lines. Uh, you weren't, depending on who you were going to, you weren't getting more than one one photo. Um, and even the Juwan and, like, the Xavier Simpson line, the Isaiah Livers line, like, there were some people in the back. I'm not sure if they were going to make it to the front in 45 minutes. Uh you know, especially with a lot of these people coming up to Juwan, you know, hey, you know, I went to school at the same time as you, or I remember this bat, and he's, you know, happy to chat him up, and uh, you can see some of the staffers, like, we, we got to keep this thing moving. Um, so how many people were there then? There were, I had it in the story, 22,000, yeah, a little over 2,000 fans, so it, it filled up, you know, one one half of, you know, one side of, of, of Chrysler. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty, pretty full, pretty full crowd, and uh there was more basketball than maybe in the past. They did a you know quick warm up drill and then they played uh, you know three twelve minute periods of of intra squad scrimmaging. Um, yeah, so there was no their itinerary said something about a three point contest and things like that. They didn't have any of that. It was it was just you know playing ball. Um, so you combine that with some action. 
that the media got to see, you know, a couple weeks prior at Michigan's media day and uh, not direct observations since we weren't allowed into this close scrimmage, but, you know, Intel, uh, I was able to acquire from their close scrimmage against Detroit Mercy and you start to paint a picture of sort of what this team is going to look like. Um, it, it's funny, I'm doing a, uh, you know, planning to do a predictions post where, you know, you go down the line of, you know, how, how, where they'll, where they'll be in the big 10, you know, kind of how they're, how they'll fare, you know, in that early season tournament, just various things, you know, who might lead the team and this or that, you know, one of the first things I'm looking at, all right, who's, who's going to be the leading scorer. And I'm immediately like, well, all right, this is not clear at all. This is a very challenging thing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to have, to have balance. Um, but yeah, when you lose your top three, that's something that you're looking out for. So, uh, Again, kind of putting all those games that we had, you know, these scrimmages together so far. Uh, you've got. Is there any big clear thread with the starting lineup? Has that been? Before? Yeah. So yeah. the the starters that they've thrown out now in in these various uh, you know scrimmages uh, have been Xavier Simpson, of course, at point guard, um, uh, paired in the backcourt with Eli Brooks, mm-hmm. sort of combo guard, a junior, and then a sophomore, Adrian Nunez, who hasn't you know hadn't really played at all last year. Um, he's six, five He's more of a two than a three, but so sort of a three guard lineup. Um, and then Isaiah livers and John Teske. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is partly because of injuries, right. uh, Brandon Johns, um, had sprained his ankle and he sat out the scrimmage against Detroit mercy. He was out there last night playing, but, um, yeah, wasn't in this, wasn't among the 10 starters for the team. And he's one of the 10, you know, best players on this team. So I think that was, again, a little bit of a precaution limit his minutes, uh, and then uh, Franz Wagner, the, the you know highly touted freshman, um, has a broken wrist and will be out for several more weeks. Um, so yeah, but as far as scoring specifically, I think it could come from. I mean, you kind of, I guess you know, if you don't know what you're going to get, there are at least known entities to, to fans: uh, Xavier Simpson and John Teske and, and Livers. Um, but guys who who you know haven't done it in the past would be David DeJulius, um, second year guard. He hit. You know, reportedly seven threes in their scrimmage against Detroit Mercy. And last night we saw that again, hit several more, some deep ones, uh, you know, showed a nice uh, dribble drive game as well. Um, and then you got Cole Badjama, a freshman. Um, he's got, you know, he's got some offensive skills as well. Showed kind of scoring at all three levels, as they like to say now, um, you know, hitting some threes, but also uh, he's got a nice mid-range game and things like that. Um, yeah, they're, you know, he, he's just a freshman. He's, Still developing physically, um, but you know Michigan did show some two-three zone defense, which we haven't seen in the past. So that that's a way to sometimes uh, mask a player's defensive uh, limitations. So yeah. So in, in this prediction post, do you actually pick one player that you think is going to lead the team in scoring? I mean, or? you know, there's no rules about I can do whatever I want. Right. But I no, want to know. I, I, I want to know who you think is going to lead the team in scoring. I mentioned year. it now. I feel right. like I've got to do it. Yes, right. that will be one of my things. Um, okay. And uh, do I have to wait to know? I'm leaning right now. I'm actually. Yeah, don't give it away. Yeah, I'm not going to give it away. Well, right there should now. be other I'm predictions. In, all right, oh, yeah, right. all right, all right. Listen, I'm still ironing things out. All right, um, but I think there will be balance on this team. Um, you know, you did see did see some new you know little wrinkles uh, here and there. You know, offense and defense. I mentioned the zone. Um, so yeah, it'll be. Uh, it will be uh, an interesting season. To me, I mean, when, you, when you mentioned that starting possible starting five, it does, yeah. it doesn't like scream like wow like this is like excitement. To, like, is there a chance that this team gets off to a pre rocky start early on? I mean, there is definitely I, that chance. Yes, um, you know the schedule is 
you know, the first few games are, are not difficult opponents, but, uh, you know, before Thanksgiving, uh, they will head to the Bahamas and they will play some good teams. Uh, you know, right off the bat, they get Iowa State, um, who's not, you know, ranked in the top 25, but is a, is a good team. And then after that, North Carolina's down there, Gonzaga's down there, Seton Hall's down there, Oregon's down there. Um, those are good teams. They get back and they go to Louisville. Um, you know, they, 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 they have Oregon at home, which I think is ranked like in the top 15 preseason. So, um, yeah, there's going to be tests for this team before you start getting into the meat of Big Ten play, um, you know, which includes the number one team in the preseason, Michigan State, um, you know, and some other Maryland, uh, Ohio State, you know, teams, you know, that are thought to be better at this point in the year than Michigan is. So, yeah, I mean, given what they lost, um, I don't want to say this thing could go sideways, but it, it could be they could be fighting for, uh, you know, an NCAA tournament bid, which, of course, would be you know, a, a step back from, um, you know, where this program has been the last few years. Bottom line, though, November 5th, Appalachian State comes to town. Do, do they have a chance at pulling off another upset in Ann Arbor? Yes, Michigan opening a season <laughs> against Appalachian State always brings up some bad memories. Now, the football team then did play them again, uh, you know, uh, after after the, the, the loss in, in 2007. Appalachian State returned to Michigan Stadium in like 20... 13 or something like that and Michigan crushed them did that you know exercise those demons I I don't know um but yeah that would be that would be a real bad sign again for this basketball program if that happened because Appalachian State is is not expected to be very good uh at all this season but But in football they're undefeated right so where did you have them in your eight people aren't they top 25 uh yeah I did let me look I had them 22 all right so yeah about I think what are they 21 23 in the actual poll yeah, Wake Forest right around there as well, I'm sure. 20. 20. There you go. 20, yeah. top Apple, 20. Appalachian State Zinks. is top 20. Top 20, yeah. Very interesting. But, yeah, so Friday, exhibition game uh, against Saginaw Valley State. Um, Division two team, it's not uncommon for these exhibitions. And then, uh, yeah, Tuesday night, the official start of, of college basketball season, you got the big tournament that is in – or the big uh, doubleheader, which this year is in New York, uh, Madison Square Garden involving Michigan State. So, you know, check our Kyle Austin's coverage of that. Um, and, yeah, Michigan will play Appalachian State. And the first however number of many fans get a Jawan Howard bobblehead, too. Wow. So I, you're, I know you're a big bobblehead guy. Uh, Are you yeah, get one I, as well? I look forward to asking <laughs> Jawan what he thinks about the bobblehead. I always like seeing what, you know, they think of their likeness, how they were portrayed. <laughs> the pictures I've seen, I haven't seen it in person. The pictures I've seen, it looks Looks good. They did a good job with it. You know? Should we get bobbleheads for our podcast? I have to think that'd be one of like as a person that'd be one of the coolest things you can do in life is like have a bobblehead made after your you know your likeness. I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wolverine Confidential. Check out more at mlive.com/slash Wolverines. This is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. This station is Bank. Change here for the Central, Waterloo, and City lines. Please mind the gap when exiting the train. And please, 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 be careful on the platform. The Nobody Zone. The truth and legend of an Irish underground killer. A new six-part true crime podcast from RTE and Third Ear. 
ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.